0: A statistical fact 59% of millennials who grew up in the church dropped out. Why did they leave? Where did they go? About 8% who left found God outside of the church. This is a podcast to find out how we can bring back those the one the church lost. us uh, the podcast of the ones the church lost we have a very special guest a good friend of mine um, that we've met over the years and matter of fact aim in cincinnati we saw each other but we uh, i actually no we met each other in the leadership conference with indiana first jurisdiction and um, i want to introduce elder antoine d jackson from greater mitchell Temple Church of God in Christ, author of multiple books such as No More Later, When You Had Enough, 100 Walt Life, Flip That Switch, and he's doing phenomenal things up in Detroit, um, works in nonprofit uh, sector, a dad, a husband, and a great friend. Um, Elder Jackson, Antoine, thank you so much for being with us on this podcast
1: man. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity.
0: Cool, cool. So, um, we're going to go right into it. So, what were your first um, I told you a little bit about my experience being a Catholic dropout, not really into uh, Pentecostal churches, but what was your first encounter with the church?
1: Yeah. So, my first encounter with the church um, was about, I was maybe seven or eight years old. I noticed uh, my aunt and my cousins downstairs. We lived in a three-family flat here in Detroit. And I noticed that, you know, every Sunday they'd be getting up, getting dressed, and boarding this bus that came to pick them up. And, you know, inquiring, wanting to know what they were doing, where they were going. Um, I learned that they were attending church on the regular. And although we went... um, Meaning my immediate family, my mom, my brother, sister, and I, we went on Christmas, Mother's Day, Easter. We were the CME, you know, members. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we didn't go that regular. And mm-hmm. so my, my experience with the church to that point was very limited. And so I recall asking my mom and my grandmother if I could start going to church with my aunt. And my aunt said, Hey, sure, go ahead. And so my experience was, I started kinda of lingering around. Um, my aunt and her children were more involved in the church. They were in the choir, usher board, all those type of things. And so it was a um Pentecostal church, apostolic church actually. Um it was a Jesus only church. And we I started going there, um and, and continued going up until um about seventeen years old when I um going to that particular church and kind of went searching for a church as an adult male. You know, I was getting ready to turn 18, and so I was like, I need to find a church for me. <laughs> gotcha.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so um, what what was that moment that made you believe um, in God and led your life to giving your life to God?
1: Yeah, so that moment, I was 11 years old, and I remember there were weeks and months that I had sat in church, and, you know, every Sunday the bishop would be up preaching, and he'd get to the end of his sermon, and he'd do his altar call speech, and he you know talk about how uh, Jesus died for us, and he loves us, and he cares for us, and he, and when it was the same usual speech, and so I had a routine that I'd do. When he started his speech, I'd start fidgeting with my socks, my pants, my tie, whatever I had on. Uh You know, if if I happened to be able to sneak a car, (laughs) a toy car in the service, (laughs) I'd pull it out of my pocket and play with it, et cetera. Um, But this particular day, um, he began to give that speech, and it was a monumental year um, for me because it was the year I was getting ready to turn 12. Mm -hmm. And I just remembered, like, I, you know, I write about it in a couple of my books. I say I, I remember hearing him talk and the next thing I knew I was up front talking to the altar worker. It was like something just drew me there. And so it was in that moment that I confessed Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was baptized that day and it just it was it was like a an epiphany moment where I really felt this connection to the Lord and I had been reading my Bible, my grandmother had purchased me a Children's Bible to read. And so I've been reading it, and it was just so exciting to hear uh-huh. and and to read all these stories and to get the understanding. And so now it's like, okay, Lord, I want more of this. And so I gave my life to the Lord, um, you know, did my best to try to live saved and holy because, you know, it was a holiness church. Yeah. So you can't cuss, you can't mess with the little girls, you can't do this, you can't do that. Yeah. And, um, a year, uh, I was 13 years old, and um, there was a, a revival happened. And I remember being there, and the preacher, he was from Roanoke, Virginia. He said, "If you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost and you want it, come up here." Mm. And I and I came up to the front, and I remember he had us standing along the pulpit near the choir chairs. And the last thing I remember, he said, "I need you to close your eyes and." Just lift your hands and just begin to say, thank you, Jesus. And the next thing I remember is my grandmother was picking my feet up to put me in the bed. And I was still speaking this gibberish language, (laughs) as I call it in bed. Um, So it was just, it was like the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost came. Mm -hmm. I mean, the gift, it just, it it manifested. And I began to see a difference in my own life. I still had my struggles. Mm -hmm. Still, you know, still did Still did. I'm sorry. Some um, silly things as a young man, yeah. teenager. But I thank God that His hand continued to be upon my life. The prophetic words that came forth, the um, utterances that came out of even my own lips, that I believe Holy Spirit was speaking to remind me that no, you didn't. You didn't make a decision on your own. But you were selected. You were chosen by God in this thing. And so, yeah. um, so that. That's
0: I actually wanted to ask, I was very, I'm very curious because, um, like I, I, I got saved at 24 and so with you getting saved and, and at 12 and then receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost at 13, you, you touched on, you know, the struggles, what was, what was life as a saved Holy Ghost filled teenager? Uh, cause I, i'll well, be honest with you i i give props to those you know that say they saved sanctified with the holy ghost and living the life at age 12 9 you know so uh yeah, well,
1: well, listen i you know i'm not one of those who will tell you that you know i was i was saved that entire time <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to repent uh-huh. I had to, you know, go back to the altar again. I had to um, I had to get a refilling and a rewashing and all of those things. But uh, for me, what I appreciate is that I had a grandmother um, who, who believed in teaching the Bible to us in such a way that it was um, in a life application type way. Mm-hmm. You know, she, did, she didn't teach it as this thing that's on a shelf that you're trying to constantly get up to but she made me to understand that the work of christ on the cross completed everything what i have to ultimately do is to submit my will to his so that i can live this life because as long as i was trying to reach it on that shelf it seemed impossible and so as a teenager I mean, it was very difficult, you know, um, trying to be safe. You know, all, of, all I tell the story oftentimes when I'm talking to youth groups, and, uh, especially young men. You know, I remember we were in the locker room right after gym class, and um, a group of the fellas were talking, and you know, our fellas jest and talk about what they did and who they did, and all that type of stuff. And I remember feeling so out of place because I was taught abstinence. I was taught. You know, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost and you got to keep it clean and pure. And so I felt so out of place and weird. Mm -hmm. And and what I did, total transparency, I decided to lie and say, oh yeah, I did that too. Hmm. Never did it. (laughs) Had no, you know, didn't have a name or anything like that, but just to feel um, a part of the group and to feel like, I wasn't this invisible nerd or the church boy because since fourth grade, people have been calling me the preacher man. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all they knew about me. And so I felt this, this pressure to kind of fit in. And I I thank God that he eventually removed. I I don't know if he removed me or removed the people, but I will say that pressure became lessened and I began to become comfortable in being who I was called to be. And so as I went on through my teenage years, like I said, I had hiccups. Um, I often tell the testimony of how, you know, I wanted some Air Force One so bad that I was willing to go and try to steal drugs. And, mm. you know, when the drug dealer guy told me to come get the drugs, I got on my bike to go get them only to get stung by a bumblebee on my way there and wake up in the hospital with a concussion. Never made it to him. And my grandmother's words to me was, whatever you were headed to do, you better thank God for the bumblebee. <laughs> you know, and so it, it's one of those types of situations where you know. Again, I I was not perfect by any long shot, but what I what it taught me was it taught me about the grace of God. Yeah. Um, and, and and the scripture says that um Christ until Christ be formed in you, mm-hmm. I, I I I can retro I respectively I can retrospectively look back and say, yeah, Christ was being formed in me. Yeah. So that I could understand how to walk this walk. Yeah.
0: So just just um a quick question as well. Have you um honestly I'm 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 in all of, of, of your testimony, um uh, just one question: Have you ever left the church per se, or have you, ever, or is just like those, like you mentioned, the bumps in the roads that you've had? Have you had a section when was like you were out of the church and then came back?
1: Uh, no, no, I can't, I can't say that. Um, from a physical mm-hmm. standpoint, you know, I never left the church. I mentioned, you know, about how I left uh, my childhood church in search of a church as an adult. Um, once I turned eighteen, it was like I was seventeen, just about to turn eighteen. Um, I I never left physically in terms of like just not going to church anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but I can tell you this, there were some seasons in my life where I went to church physically, but mentally and spiritually I was not there. Yeah. Got um I, w- I was disconnected from the church. I was disconnected from prayer, disconnected from even the value of fellowship and And what I've learned, again, looking back retrospectively, is um, in those seasons, what I typically would do is I'd start getting busy with tasks. Mm. Getting, you know, oh, we need somebody to come clean the church. I'd be the first one up there to go clean the church. We need somebody to drive the church, man. I'd run and go do that, do all those things. Because what it did was it became a, a place of... For everybody else to make it seem like, oh, Antoine's still in the church, but mentally, physically, uh, or mentally, spiritually, emotionally, I was I was detached from it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, what what that helped me in that sense to understand is that you know I can be in church physically every Sunday, or every time it's open, but I can still be detached from it. And so, to get back, um, I believe is the same process for if you're gone physically as well as you know emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Mm-hmm. I have to make a decision to come back to the place with God. Yeah, because He's always there, but I got to make a decision to come back. Yeah,
0: I, I tell my students all the time: like you could be in the building, but if you're not there to learn, you're not there. So absolutely, you, you you're not able to really grasp what you need. It's the same thing in church: like we might see some young people um, there present you know, with their finest, you know, nice little Stacey's, a nice suit, but we can see that they're not there, they're not connected, and uh, that's, I guess, one question um, is, what, what, what do you see that um, our younger generation are leaving the church? What are some things that, um, the reason why they may leave the church?
1: Yeah. I I think one of the reasons why we see uh, our younger generations leaving the church is because, um, and I I don't want to sound like I'm blaming. This is just Mm -hmm. simply stating where responsibility lies, I believe. Um, I I believe that the reason our younger generations are leaving the church is because, you know, my my grandmother made sure that we were taught the word even at home. Mm Mm-hmm that we prayed at home and that we understood um, that we go to the building for fellowship and we go to the building for um, camaraderie with other believers and to build that time of corporate worship. She was explaining, like, she was using all these terms and words when I was 13 and 14 years old. Um, And I I think that is the part that has um, decreased. Yeah, if I if I, you know, just limit it, it there and say decrease, but I, I almost feel like it's gone. The home is no longer the place where we teach our children and instruct them in things of God mm-hmm. like it used to be. And so, as a result of that, um, you know, they when the first sign of trouble, they leave the church. Yeah. The first time when someone says something to them that doesn't necessarily feel good to their flesh but it's beneficial to their spirit, they up and they physically leave the church. And so I think that's one of the reasons why. And then I think secondarily, um, you know, church, church as in the organization continues to evolve. Mm-hmm. And and when the organization does not evolve, people lose interest in it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Our message never changes. Mm-hmm. It is Jesus Christ all day long. He was... Uh, you know, death, burial, resurrection, confess uh-huh. of your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. You we say that never changes. However, how we do ministry um, does change. I often say Jesus taught from boat and used fish and loaves. We now teach from iPads and <laughs> utilize uh, fruit snacks and juice boxes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we we when when the organization does not evolve, uh, it. present opportunities for people to walk away from it
0: mother stone um told uh, me one time she said the message is the same but the method has to change absolutely and and that's one thing that um that just sticks into my mind because like even now we you know with going on with the pandemic we went from people saying i'm we still gonna have church to now Every, you know, on Sunday, I call Facebook now uh, the Facebook channel because if you flip up, you'll ha- you'll see a, a live stream of a use of, of a Facebook Live of a service going on. You know, okay. um, you'll see Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, some people with Friday of of Bible studies or whatever other services that they might have, and you other people using the internet so I guess um one other one question is how um with uh your the church um greater mitchell temple um what have you been um what has the church been doing to at least try to reach out to the youth
1: absolutely yeah, so at, at greater mitchell, I have the privilege of serving as a youth president awesome. and and so in that capacity we've been. Um, utilizing technology a lot to reach the young people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, understanding that many of our young people are in various um, stations in life. Some of them are, you know, elementary, middle, high school. Some are college, but even beyond that, they're in different stations in life as it relates to their socioeconomic situations. And so, we've been actively, um, you know, engaging in the each one, touch one. Um, type approach with youth ministry and so um we're blessed to have our bishop bishop sheard who um has given us a great vision of what he wants to see with the youth department and so his vision is that the entire youth department um whether it be sunshine band which is our 11 and under our puritans which are um 12 to 18 and then our um, young adults who are um nineteen to like thirty five. He he wants to see all of them connected to a teaching arm of the church mm-hmm. where they're learning where they're learning the word and they're being fed. And so, you know, prior to this pandemic we had introduced a new curriculum that we were teaching. And so we've continued on and, and during the pandemic situation of doing outreach via Zoom and so every Friday we're on Zoom as a whole church connecting. A few weeks ago, we started uh, a youth check in via Zoom, um, just like on a Monday or Wednesday night. And so we just get on and everybody, you know, chimes in. It's not necessarily a lesson or anything that's presented, but it's an opportunity for the youth to connect and to remain connected to each other. And what we've seen as a result of that is, um, you know, the young people are, are getting on fire. for the Lord. Uh, Our Friday night service, each member who's on the Zoom goes around, we go around and they testify. And just to hear our young people talk about you know, I I never, you know, one of our young people said something to the effect of like, I never appreciated church attendance until now, but I'm looking forward to getting back to the physical church. To hear them say those things and to, to know that what Bishop had set out to do actually is what is taking place and and they're hearing it is has just been wonderful. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Just yeah. just to hear them say um I'm I'm ready to come back to church.
1: <laughs> then,
0: yeah, you know when some be like um I don't want to go, but mm-hmm. just, just to hear our youth just wanting to just be there, you know, and just have that experience. Um what what do you feel that the church, you know, and not just not uh Greater Mitchell or My Church Citadel, just the churches do you feel the church as a whole is doing enough um to bring back um
1: uh, youth. Yeah. I think you know we sometimes it's when we when we hear questions like this and and someone gives a response um i I call it we get um overly sensitive mm-hmm. about criticisms and 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 the and in here, and 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 here's where I think we should not do that in a question like this because the reality is is that the Bible says that um, the Father wants everybody to be saved and to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if God was willing to go to the furthest extent of sacrificing his only begotten son, there's always room for us in this fleshly human place to do more. And so when I hear the question, is, is the church doing enough? My answer would be yes, but we can always do more. Okay. We can always do more to reach young people, to reach the souls of people. I mean, this pandemic, if it has done nothing else, I hope it has revitalized the evangelism um, departments and our congregations and our jurisdictions, et cetera, mm-hmm. to really um hone in to because the world is hungry. They're they're looking for answers for more than just a pandemic now. They're they're looking for answers. And so here's our ample opportunity to step up and and to do more. Um and, and the pandemic has revealed to us that, you know, one of the areas that we could have been doing more in is um social media evangelism yeah. or or, or, or e evangelism. You know, we could have been doing more. We've been doing enough. But here's an opportunity to do more. And so to answer your question, are we doing enough? Yes. But can we do more? Absolutely. There's more that we can do to reach the people, especially our young people for the Lord. There are uh, when, when the I'm thinking of the scripture, when the servant was told to go into the highways and the hedges and beckon and compel them to come. He went a couple times. Yeah. And, but I love when the part, he came back, he said, Lord, I did that and there's still room. That's why. That's where it comes in where we can do more mm-hmm. because there's still room. Yeah. There's still room for more people to come to Christ. There's still room for more people to be a part of the church, to be in the church. So let's go ahead and get
0: them. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, um, I have a, uh, a tradition that I have developed in this podcast is where it's called the altar call and it's a virtual altar call. And since you are my guest, I ask you for you to, um, have an altar call on our podcast at this time. So if you will, Elder Jackson, you can bless us
1: uh, with this moment of an altar call. Absolutely. You know who you might be listening to this podcast. And I certainly thank my brother and my friends for this opportunity to be upon. The podcast and to share with you and you might be listening you and you may hear my testimony of being exposed to church at eight and accepting christ at 11 and filled the holy ghost at 13 and be like man i i find no connection to that (laughs) because my life has been tumultuous and i it has been turbulent and although i didn't share all of those instances with you I believe this to be true, that no matter what station you have been or find yourself in, Christ is still available to you. And so as you're listening to the podcast, as you have listened, I pray that in this moment that something be said, something has been said that would draw your mind to Christ. Let me give you this. The enemy will never tell you to pray. And for many of you listening to the podcast, you feel uh inkling to go and open a Bible or to pray. or Some of you have even said, I'm going to look up Greater Mitchell. I'm going to look up Citadel and see what they're doing on social media, and I might tune in. That's not the enemy. That's not Satan telling you to do that. That's the Holy Spirit of God drawing you into himself. If you're listening right now and you don't know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the pardoning of your sins, meaning that you've been forgiven of them, here's your opportunity. And it's simple. It's easy. It's not like something that you can't reach on a shelf. But he's made it available. He's brought it to our level. He says, if we would confess with our mouth, meaning that I confess that I'm a sinner in need of salvation and that I can't do life alone. If I confess that with my mouth and then if I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus, born of a virgin named Mary came into this earth, lived 33 years, died upon the cross, was placed into a tomb, but in three days he was raised from the dead by the power of God. The Bible says you confess with your mouth, believe that in your heart, that you shall be saved. You're saved in that moment. And so right now I encourage and I pray that you would begin to confess your sins. You don't even have to go down the list with God. Because he knows everything. But just from a place of sincerity, say, Lord, I've sinned, I've fallen short, but I want to be saved. Will you forgive me? And his answer is yes. When we ask him, his answer is yes. Believe that you've been forgiven. And then get connected with a church, a ministry that's teaching the word of God. Citadel, if you're in the community there with my brother, Carter Mitchell, if you're in the community here with me, but you have an opportunity Right now. To accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't worry about what you may have done. You might say. But man. I I really messed up. (laughs) The blood of Jesus Christ. Can wash away even the dirtiest of stains. Ask me how I know. (laughs) Because he's done it for me. And so I invite you to come into this place of fellowship with the Lord. Don't worry about trying to be perfect. Don't worry about trying to get it all right. And then I'll get saved. No. You don't need him then. But if you can come into this place now, I'm a living witness that those habits, yeah, because I was i was the teenager who was in church, who had been filled with the Holy Ghost, but still liked the curse. But the Holy Spirit of God take, took it away. He took the, the taste of it, the appetite for it away from me. Over time, that's what the Holy Spirit would do. Sanctification is a process. But God is there and willing for you. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus for every listener. I ask you, O Lord God, that you might come into their hearts and into their minds, O God. Draw them closer to you even in this hour. Father, whatever it is that they have need of, whether it be spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, financial, oh God, social, oh God. God, you know that every individual needs, you said that the very hairs of our head are numbered by you. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you might attend to their need in this hour. And God, I pray that even now as they are contemplating which way to go, what to do, that Father, you would allow Holy Spirit to begin to minister into their minds, into their souls, oh God, drawing them closer to you. Father, we thank you that in you we have freedom from sin, and you've declared in your word that if we will confess our sins to you, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, I thank you for my brother for this podcast. I thank you for this opportunity, oh God, to reach souls across the land. Father, be a blessing even now to this podcast and this ministry, oh God. Expand and explode it for your glory and for your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Thank
0: God. Amen. Well, thank you my brother, um, this was a blessing to hear. Um, I am going to put um, some links of his books um, and uh, the website of Greater Mitchell Temple Church of God in Christ. If you are in the Detroit area, um, please check out their services, their ministries. It's a blessing. Um, And uh, my brother, thank you so much for being with us.